Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Race IndyCar podcast. We're back after a little break, unfortunately not with JR, who has not been able to make uh, today's recording, but he'll be back for our next episode. I'm very sure of that. If you have missed JR and you're going to miss him on this episode, then you can always go and check out his uh, his Instagram, JR Hildebrand, where he's been driving uh, Porsches and having a lot of fun. So if you remember on our last episode, the last time we spoke to him, he was uh, buying a NASCAR and since we've last recorded, he's now uh, having a lot of fun in in Porsches up at Laguna Seca. So definitely go and check that out on social media. He posted a brilliant onboard lap. So so that was cool. Uh, coming up on today's show, we've got some very interesting interviews for you, I hope. We've got Marcus Ericsson, who we haven't spoke to since he made his big move from Chip Ganassi Racing to Andretti Autosport. And we've also got Yuri Vips, who made his IndyCar debut not long ago for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Did the last two races of the season and yeah is hoping that he can come back and do next year which we'll we'll ask him about in a little bit more detail so that's what we've got coming up on the show in between we'll also do a little bit of news and just update you on some of the things that have been happening in in IndyCar in this kind of little break where we haven't had a pod so we'll definitely get to that but first without further ado we'll head over to Marcus Ericsson who's going to talk about his big move he's going to talk about the IndyCar hybrid package as well that he was testing last week um, he's also going to talk about his new teammates. He's going to talk about the uh, mental coach that he employed for this year and how that worked through the season. And he's going to talk a little bit about uh, being wanted by Andretti and what that meant to him after uh, a long career of driving hard to be, um, you know, getting that big deal that he'd really wanted. Um, he's talked about that a lot before and, and now he has it. So he can tell you all about it. And here he is. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, Marcus Ericsson, Andretti Autosport driver, Marcus Ericsson. That's going to take a little while to to get used to, but how does that feel to to hear that out loud now and after, I guess, quite a few months of trying to get things sorted and not really knowing exactly what was going to happen and how your future was going to pan out? You know, how does that feel now to be uh, part of that Andretti family? Yeah, it's it's like you say, it's it's going to probably take a little while to get used to saying that <laughs> and not saying ship kind of racing. Um but yeah, no, it, it feels great. You know, it's uh, it's been a while since the end of the season, but I haven't really been able to start working with the team until really last week. So uh, yeah, it, it feels good that that's sort of process has started and getting to know the people. And you know, it's this sport is a lot about relationships and building those relationships is is very important. So I'm gonna put a lot of time and, and effort into that in the off season. Um, yeah, feels feels great to to, to get started. We'll get on to you working with the team a little bit because you did that last week and we'll we'll ask you about that shortly. I guess I just from a starting point just wanted to ask you how you feel about kind of how you fit into this team and uh, I guess a lot of people will look at Andretti and you know really rate how quick their cars have been over the past few years. Um, obviously got some quick drivers in there as well but struggled to win championships and, and things like the, the Indy 500. Seems like Andretti's always really good in qualifying maybe struggles a little bit in, in the in the races to to get things over the line sometimes whether that's execu- execution or, or whatever but it feels like you kind of fit into this perfectly in a way because you've always been someone who's raced better than you've qualified. You've obviously shown in races that your racecraft's very good and that you've been able to to always move forward and, and score good results for, for your previous team. So I guess do you feel like your kind of your positives really suit Andretti's kind of I don't want to say I don't know if weaknesses is the right way to put it, but you kind of fit in together well in that sense that you're, you know, kind of coming in to help this team move forward. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. I think that's sort of the the goal, of course. I think that's what what I'm Andretti has seen in me as well. You know, the the consistency I've had the last, especially last three years. You know, I've been always, you know, pretty much. I don't know exactly the statistics, but like 
over 90% of the races, I think I've been, I've been in the, in the top 10 and, you know, that consistency is a bit, what but obviously Andrea has been lacking, uh, they have fast cars and, and, you know, they win races and put it on pole positions and, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, they, they have been having difficulties to be consistent over a season. So obviously that's the hope that I could come into the team with my type of, you know, being as a driver, as a person and hopefully help that consistency and, and sort of raise that uh, level as a team. And I think for me personally, you know, I like the idea of having a, a fast qualifying car like Andre seems to have. I think uh, if I can get on top of that car and, and qualify a bit higher, I feel like my biggest strength is, is my race craft and sort of being smart and, and, you know, being strong in the races. So that combination of having a strong qualifying car and so my, my race craft should be, in my head, it sounds like a, a perfect combination, but uh, <laughs> I also, you know, understand that it's it's, it's going to be a transition period and it's, it's going to take some time, you know, to get used to everything. But I think the potential is, is definitely there and that's what excites me. I guess your old team had some, you had some very good teammates there as well in in Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow and the likes of plenty of drivers to, to race alongside there. But you're coming in with two very young American drivers, Colton Herter and, and Kyle Kirkwood. I guess kind of interested to, feel, to, to kind of ask you how you feel like you, you're going to fit in with them. I know you obviously have raced alongside them and you know them kind of briefly from in the, in the paddock, but how do you feel like this lineup's kind of shaping up for, for next season and, and what you guys can, can kind of do together as a, as a trio as well as just what you bring to the team personally? I think it's an extremely strong lineup. I think the the sort of uh, mix of experience and, and sort of background that we have, it's going to match each other very well. I think, you know, all three of us uh, needs to have the goal to, to win, you know, and I think we can compete for wins and, and podiums on every any given weekend. And I think also we should be able to push each other to, to get the most out of each each and every one of us. So I'm really excited about that lineup. I know Colton and Kyle a little bit, and then obviously going to get to know them more and more here uh, going forward. But they seem like really good good guys, and you know, easy easy going. And I think our personalities is going to match quite well as well. So uh, I'm I'm super excited. I think we have one of the strongest private lineups in the series. So uh, if we can work well together and sort of lead a team together and push as a team i think we can really you know make some big strides kind of interested to i know you're a guy who thinks about everything and you're a you know you're very analytical and uh, you don't leave anything kind of no stone unturned kind of uh, approach to things i'm kind of interested especially from you know we'll have some listeners who know you from formula one who'll be who'll be tuning in from that side of things and uh, i guess it's become more obvious to me recently at least that in indycar the development war is 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 still there the the dampers and how that's kind of matched to the aero and how you guys kind of set the cars up a, a different team to team and maybe people watching IndyCar from the outside will see you know 27 cars that look the same just the the different paint schemes but underneath they're obviously very different I'm kind of interested in how much research you kind of did into Andretti I know their uh, car understeers a, a little bit compared to some of the other teams in the way they set up it's kind of good uh, example of IndyCar being like a still having a development war behind the scenes you know it's obviously a lot smaller scale than what formula one would be but there's still a lot going on behind the scenes that makes the cars you know perform and and set up in in different ways so how much research did you do into that um you know looking at where you were going to move uh when you when you left uh ganassi and, and how do you feel your style will kind of suit the andretti car yeah i i think you're right there i, I think it's interesting i've been to a few different teams but i know you know some drivers have driven for for many uh, different teams and it's you know it's crazy how a one spec series can have so many different philosophies on how to set up a car and you know yes these cars you can have a million different combinations of, of you know setups on them but it's still you would think after being around for 10 plus years that most teams would be like sort of on the same page on setup but it's <laughs> actually that's not the case you know everyone has their own sort of type of uh, philosophy around it and obviously the dampers is a big part of that because that's the the biggest area where you can make a difference and you know the bigger teams obviously put a lot of money and effort into developing them and suiting them for every type of track and i think that's where you know, in Ganassi, we made big strides the last few years where we really stepped it up on the damper program. And I felt like I was a big part of that as well. You know, I, I worked very hard with the 
with the damper people in, in, in Ganassi and me and my engineer Brad that are in Ganassi, we, we were really pushing hard on the damper development. So uh, obviously that's something I'm hoping I can bring to, to Andretti and, and help them in that uh, department. Uh, but obviously there as well, you know, they build their own dampers in a completely different way and how Ganassi does. So it's, you know, and that obviously influences the car setup a lot uh, as well. So it's it's all uh, quite different between teams to teams. Uh, I think coming back to your question there, one thing that I uh, think is going to suit me is the, the sort of characteristic of the, the Andretti car. Like you said, I haven't driven it now on a road course yet, but from what I understand, they have a very strong rear uh, of the car, good traction, uh, an understeer type of car, and and that's the the type of car I like. I, I really drive the car from from the rear end. I need to be able to lean on the rear going into the corners, and if I can do that, I sort of sort out the rest. So that was something that definitely went into my you know one of the pros and cons when I was looking at different teams before deciding was the the type of car that. I think that uh, and uh, that I understand Andretti has. I think that's going to suit the way I drive a race car. I think it's interesting as well. You'll be working with Olivier Boisson and he was one of the guys who, well, he's worked with Roman Grosjean and he's one of the people who kind of kicked all this off for me thinking about this in a, a kind of drive and move perspective that Roman's obviously gone from Dale Coyne to Andretti and the car's been extremely different and Olivier's been the kind of person overseeing that. And as the as Roman kind of transitioned into into this year, it was clear that Olivier had found something that Roman really liked and it would take a little bit of time to to develop that. But it, I guess it must be nice going into a a situation where you're working with an engineer who not only has worked with a Formula One driver before um, from, from the past, but is also, you know, knows what it's like for a driver to move team and he's moved teams himself as well. Um, so I, I guess maybe that gives you a little bit more kind of confidence or, or a good feeling going in that, you know, he's kind of been through a lot of that transition before. And if you do have difficulties, he's going to be a person who can kind of help with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think also, you know, obviously I'm just starting to get to know Olivier, but uh, I've heard so many good things about him. You know, he's he's a very highly respected uh, engineer in the paddock and, uh, you know, to, to work with him is going to be really, really good for me. So I'm excited about that. And already, you know, we did our first test together and already felt like we kicked it off really well and sort of talked the same language or whatever you want to say. So it's... Um, no, it's exciting, and I think this category or this series as well in the car is so much about that relationship between driver and engineer. You know, it's it's a team sport for sure, but the one you work absolutely closest with is your race engineer, and and to to have you know a strong relationship there and sort of understand each other, it's uh, it's so extremely important to be able to extract those last tenth or whatever you need, you know, in a race weekend. I kind of want to skip back to a little bit earlier in the in the season. I think maybe the last time we had you on was after St. Pete when we were talking about you having your mental coach for, for this year and how that was going to impact you. And I know a lot of people have asked you about that since and you've done some more interviews on that and how that's kind of impacted you. And uh, I guess as a kind of follow-up now, we're at the end of the season. I kind of wanted to ask you how that impacted your kind of mid middle of the season and, and while all of this like contract stuff was going on for you. Because I guess... You, you've obviously talked about it being quite difficult there where you were kind of uncertain about your future and not really knowing what was going to happen. Of course, any human being would be that way when you when you don't know where you're going to be driving next year or you don't know where your job's going to be in, in the future. Obviously, there's some uncertainty there. But I guess, do you feel like the whole situation could have been worse if you hadn't have had your, your mental coach with you this year and maybe that that was a part of, you know, something that really helped you out um, in that in that difficult period there? Uh, I haven't thought about it specifically but i think definitely it has uh, you know it's helped me in all types of situations and then for sure around that sort of uh, july august time you know it was very stressful uh, on and off the track and and definitely then you know to having some guidance and and you know weekly sessions that we do uh, definitely helped me to to you know um yeah, cope with everything and then sort of make sure I, I, I could focus on what I needed to focus on and, and so on. So uh, like we talked about back then and, and I've talked about before, you know, it's uh, it's it's so important, the mental side of things in, in whatever you do. And I think uh, working on that, actively working on it is something that's uh, very underrated and, and I think it's uh, it's very powerful. I guess on a similar kind of note, where's your where's your head at in terms of what you think is possible next year? We've talked a little bit about the 
approaching the team and how you're going to suit the the car setup. We talked about your teammates. We talked about Andretti and their kind of performances over the past few years. What what does all, all that add up to for you? And what are the I don't know if you're a kind of person who makes expectations in terms of like numbers if you want to finish a certain position in the championship. But is there is there something you've kind of set your mind on and there's a there's a clear target or is that something that's going to come with a little bit more testing and a little bit more kind of adapting to the to the team? Yeah, we haven't really like sat down and, and set like specific targets yet. Uh, obviously, as a team, you know, we, we want to be on a level where we go into every weekend and, and have the mindset to, to win the race. You know, that's sort of uh, where we want to be as an organization and especially with the, you know, resources we have now and the push the team is making, you know, to, to be a very, very top team. You know, we, we need to, to go go racing with that mindset. But I think also we need to be humble in the way that, you know, um, it's a project. It takes time, and also, you know, for me coming from a from a different team, you know, it's gonna take a little bit of time to get used to things. Um, I would love to go out and you know win the first race. Uh, who knows? But you know, we need to also be thinking long term, and that's why also, you know, for me having a multiple year contract is also you know giving that sort of. Um, not security because you always have pressure, but it gives you sort of. Uh, a different mindset in a way. Uh, so uh, I think, you know, we need to give it a little bit more time, but definitely we want to be consistently fighting up front. You know, that's what we, we need to have as a goal. And uh, uh, like I've done the last few years, bring the hard car home in, in whatever position you can as well, you know, not throwing away finishes and, and trying to be consistently in, in, in the mix. I think that's going to be very important for us. You won the first race last year, so let's not rule it out. You know, it's a possibility. <laughs> I like I like my street courses and, you know, St. Pete and Long Beach. It's the, it's the first two races and those were probably my two best, apart from the 500, was my two best performances last year. So, you know, I'm definitely, or this year. So I'm definitely bringing that confidence into the first couple of rounds uh, in next year's season for sure. Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I know pretty much every team on the grid probably would have, uh, if not made you an offer, would have wanted to have made you an offer for, for next season. But what did it mean to you for for Andretti to come up? You know, it's not only is it, I, I guess, a big team that has big aspirations of doing, you know, lots of different things all over the world. Um, it's also a very established IndyCar team. And uh, I guess you've not been you've been in situations in your career before where you've been wanted by teams, but you, we knew this was a, a new thing for you in terms of, you know, the wanting to be paid as a, a top driver, wanting to get what you deserved as f- what your results had, you know, 
what what your results are your your results you'd achieved what they deserved really so i guess what did it mean for you know someone like michael to approach you and to to want to have you as part of this team and what what impact do you think that will have on your performances for for next season yeah, it, it means a ton and you know it's something i worked all my career towards having you know a position like that and 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 for me to be you know signed by a team like i'm ready you know and and an organization like that is one of the most legendary names in motorsports and you know all over the world and, and especially here in america you know even off track you know everyone knows i'm ready name so that feels very special to me and something i'm very proud of uh, but also just in general you know that time there in august i think i had four or five offers on the table that all were, were very good including from from you know my my old team ganassi and and for me, that that was a nice feeling to, you know, all that hard work that I put in, all, you know, those years of, of working extremely hard in a way was sort of, that was paying off now, finally. So it's uh, it's really cool. And I think it's given me another boost of confidence. And, you know, I'm going to go into next season with a, yeah, a different feel in a way. So, um, yeah, it, it, it feels really good. And like I said, it was really cool to, to, to be really... Uh, picked out by by a team like Andretti. Yeah, I guess obviously the the team is obviously well known at the moment or is in the news quite a lot for wanting to go back to to F1. I, I guess did that come into your sort of thinking at all when you when you were speaking to Andretti and when you were looking at, at IndyCar for next year? I'm sure you've probably I don't know if you've ruled the kind of Formula 1 chapter at an end for you now or or how you feel about that, but it must be quite interesting from someone who's been in Formula 1 for such a long time and you pay such close attention. You have a lot of friends there. You obviously do a Formula 1 podcast in in Swedish as well and and obviously paying a lot of attention there. So uh, I guess, you know, did you think about, even if not as a driver, could you help with advice and, um, you know, something in, in that kind of just being involved in in some way shape or form did that come into your into your mind or was that was it totally indycar for you when you were kind of doing all of this uh when i was speaking with with michael it was purely uh indycar based like we were only talking about indycar uh so we, we never really discussed that but after the deal was done and we were signing everything then you know i i have said to michael that you know if you need my help in any shape or form if like you said if that is an advising or helping in different things or if it's testing even you know driving the car at some point you know it's uh, obviously I'm, I'm happy to do that you know i'm i'm part of the family now so uh but yeah i'm 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 signed for in the car and that's where my focus is is but yeah if i can help in, in some other way i'm of course going to do that for sure well you mentioned just testing just then and you're out in the in the car for the first time last week at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, driving on the oval with the new hybrid system that is due to to come in for for next season. What can you tell us about that? In the sense that I think we've known that hybrids come in for for a little while now in IndyCar. There's been a lot of news around it, but I don't think it's been particularly clear to the fans necessarily how that's going to look in terms of what the driver actually has to do behind the wheel, what the process might look like. We've talked a lot about what the system is and how it works, even on this podcast, but not necessarily how it works from a driver's perspective. And I guess a lot of that is because they're spending a lot of time working out how that is actually going to look when it comes to ovals and road and street courses as well. So the simple answer is we can't tell you how it's going to work because we don't know for sure how it's going to work yet. But you're actually, you were actually on track with the the car on the oval last week. So if you can, why don't you walk us through a little bit how that process works in terms of the regeneration and um, you know, how it, how it works from a driver's perspective behind the wheel. Yeah, so basically what you do, or what we did in the test, is that we had a, a button or a paddle uh, on the wheel where you pressed uh, to regen the battery. Uh, and then you had another button where you deployed the battery, uh, the extra power. So simple as that. But then obviously it comes down to a lot. How much do you regen? How much do you deploy? And that's where, you know, IndyCar is still playing quite a bit there with, with you know, those uh, numbers and, and how that system should be working and i can see probably that working different maybe from track to track and you know from ovals to road courses and street courses uh, uh but the way it was now in the test it was fully manual so you as a driver was fully in control on when to region and when to deploy and and obviously when we were running in group running it makes it quite interesting because then you can sort of play with it and sort of try and be smart and try and catch someone by surprise when you deploy 
the battery itself is not super powerful, so it's not like you know you press the deploy button and you know it's it blows you away. You know, it's it's more you know it gives you a bit of a boost on the straights. Um, but it's definitely my hope, and 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 what I think could be possible is when we come to the five hundred next year, it gives you a little bit more more of a tool where you can sort of set up passes in a bit deeper in the field because someone is out of out of energy and you have a full battery so you can sort of use that in in in, in a fight position and then that can be enough for you to, to make an overtake so uh that's sort of what, what i hope will happen uh obviously there's going to be more tests here on road courses and street courses how it works there uh, i think also it's still a, a sort of work in progress they don't know how manual it's going to be some people say it's going to go more automatic which i don't think it should i i want to have it as manual as possible because i think then you as a driver can actually stand out and do things differently or better than your competitors uh, but i think yeah they're still testing things and trying things but the system worked well you know we we drove the whole day uh, i don't know how many laps we did 150 laps or something per car and we were four cars out there so it seems to be working well, uh, and it's you know it's interesting. I guess on a it's uh, I guess anyone who knows how a hybrid system works, usually the brakes where you regenerate the the power, right? So, how does that work on an oval? Like, where how is the regeneration happening, and how are you kind of how are you managing that based on the fact that you've got to be flat out around an oval, you can't exactly slam the brakes on. So, how does that process kind of work? And I guess that's something you were maybe you and the drivers were trialing in the draft to try and work out how how to manage that and how to because you also can't have cars just like totally checking up in the middle of the in the middle of the backstretch, right? Because that would be terrible. So, uh, I, I guess you're also doing a little bit of tactics and learning how to use the system as best as possible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you were sort of pressing the region going into the corners and it wasn't slowing the car down massively like you said you're flat out when you do it so it's not like uh you can do it with the brakes so you do when you're flat out but it does region and, and fill up the battery even when you're flat out uh and it doesn't like uh, stop the acceleration completely it just slows you down a little bit so okay. it's not like very abrupt so which is obviously important for the safety we cannot have when you region that you're gonna you yeah. know slam the brakes so uh, it did work quite well i thought on, on the oval uh, probably better than i expected uh, so i thought it was, was working fine awesome well what's your plan now for the rest of the we you know we call it the off season but we're in the 16th of october and you've had probably a week off and then you've been doing all sorts of other stuff so uh, what's your plan for the rest of the year now and how much time are you going to get to spend with with andretti and your engineer now before we kind of move into the into the new year uh, quite a bit. I will, uh, you know, we're quite busy here in the next few months. Uh, we have some more test plans with the hybrid uh, here in October, November, December. So that should hopefully keep me busy. And then some simulator days as well. And then, you know, just spending time at the team will be important for me to build those relationships and, and sort of speed that process up. So I'm going to I'm gonna be pretty busy. And, and yeah, because of the hybrid, it will be a bit more driving than usual in an off-season because usually you go like October, November, December without driving anything. So <laughs> this is definitely more exciting that we get some, some actual driving. We're going to get the opposite where usually we have drivers complaining that there's not enough seat time in the off-season and now we're going to have drivers complaining there's too much testing going on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm never going to complain about that. I'm never, good. I always want to get in a race car. It's a good day. So. That's why we like you. Marcus Eriksson, thanks very much for joining us. I know it's been a, a little while since we last had you on the pod. So great to have you back. Thanks for taking some time to talk about your new move. And we wish you all the best uh, heading into the off season. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always fun to chat to Marcus. He's got a busy off season coming up with some testing and getting to know his new team. So definitely keep an eye out. I'm sure we'll have some updates from him throughout the off-season on how he's getting on with that new team. One of the stories of, of 2024, I think, how he and his new teammates meshed together. It's been a long time since Andretti's won a championship or an Indy 500. They know that better than anybody. They've been working hard to improve. They've been working hard to kind of right those wrongs and and get those big championships that they, you know, their name deserves. Andretti is such a big name in in North America in general, never mind just in motorsport. So yeah, they'll definitely be hoping that the IndyCar side of things uh, provides some some fruit by the end of, of next season. 
So coming up next, we've got Yuri Vips. He's the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan driver from the last two races of the season. Starred with a phenomenal qualifying performance in Laguna Seca, but also did a very, very good job in, in Portland as well. A little bit under the radar in terms of where he finished and his qualifying where the team had maybe missed a little bit with him and, and Christian Lungard uh, in terms of the setup. But actually uh, his race performance was, was very strong and again, uh, did a great job in, in Laguna Seca. Someone who's looking to establish himself on the grid for next year so we'll head over and speak to Yuri Vips. Yuri Vips welcome to the race IndyCar podcast for your first appearance nice to have you on and uh, I guess I wanted to start with finding out a little bit more about your kind of pre uh, like race experience of IndyCar like was it something you watched when you were a bit younger and something you were kind of um, you kind of knew what to expect or did you kind of come in and everything was a bit new to you and uh, I guess you're a bit like a, a rabbit in the headlights or something <laughs> um, yeah thanks for having me on uh, first of all um, I mean yes and no so I've watched IndyCar um, like say regularly since about 2021 um, I watched pretty much all the races in 22 but 21 I already like grew a lot of interest you know mm. um, and before that I watched some of the 500s and like, yeah, it looks like cool racing, which it is. Um, so you see a lot of that on TV, but there's so much like behind the scenes, like the atmosphere that in the paddock and so on that you you don't really capture in that. So there was still a lot of like things for me to learn and things that are new and even like some of the language differences from, you know, um, European racing to American racing, you know, um, there, was, there was a lot to learn, but it was such a nice experience. Really enjoyed it. I know some of the the drivers who come into IndyCar usually have been like, they've seen it when they've been younger because there's someone from their country has been in the series. And uh, I guess for you, you, you kind of have this this thing with a lot of different, uh, I guess, in single seaters in general, you're kind of the first Estonian kind of uh, get into this kind of elite level, really. So I guess it's kind of weird for you in a way that you don't, you have all these people around you who um, have all these people they can look up to or people that they've seen racing series before. But for you, it's a little bit different from from that perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure um for sure i think you will you'll naturally follow it more if you have like someone from your country there but hmm. you know i was i developed an interest in the series like a couple of years ago as i said and you know in 22 there was uh uh callum and christian were there you know so hmm. I, I knew them from europe so i had even more of an interest then i was like you know how are they you know getting on and um you know how, how tough is the series like uh, how hard is it to join so i started like looking into things in in 22 as like um it because i had you know in 22 already had genuine interest in, in in joining it so yes i didn't have anyone from my country there but you know um i think having those guys come over from europe um piqued my interest a little bit because i talked to them and they were already really enjoying it and uh yeah I guess it's been a, an interesting kind of transition for you in the sense of like you don't very often get dropped into the last two races of a, a season in in any series really. So uh, definitely yeah. a big challenge for you in terms of having to come in and learn against a load of drivers who've been you know racing all year and and maybe even have years of experience of of racing in IndyCar anyway. Obviously you did Portland and and Laguna Seca. I, I guess um, I mean I'll ask you this question and you could tell me, but it definitely looked like the the highlight of the two races was the qualifying in, in Laguna Seca where you did a, a fantastic job there to, to qualify seventh. So uh, I guess that was probably the highlight, but it was two very interesting races for you, I guess, being dropped in at the deep end. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely difficult. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I think it made it even harder because it didn't race in any series uh, this year. Yeah. Um, so it took a while in Portland, you know, to, just to get used to pushing the car again. Um, but... You know, once I arrived at Laguna, to be honest, like the whole weekend, I just felt much more comfortable. Um, hmm. Yeah, the whole weekend was just much easier, much more natural. Um, I knew what was going on. I knew how the sort of schedule of the weekend was going to be. And there wasn't really anything that surprised me or was new to me. So, um, yeah, I think with the performance as well, it was it was kind of shown because, um, you know, we had a great car in both the races, um, both race weekends. But. I think Laguna just extracted much more out of it. Um, hmm. but yeah, no, it, it was good. It was good. Um, like seventh is not normally where I'm like, you know, I'd be able to qualify, <laughs> but it, it is a very tough series, you know? So, um, um, yeah, I was just, I was a little bit surprised by like how impressed people were by P7, you know, cause hmm. I don't know, uh, in Europe, 
you know, if you come to like Formula Two or something and qualify seventh on, you know, one of the first races, it's 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 good, but it's not like, you know, people were really, really, really happy with it, which I was a little bit surprised about. But yeah, it was it was still good, you know, the whole weekend we were quick. So um yeah, team was happy, I was happy. It was just a shame about the race, but these things happen, you know. Yeah. I guess with the qualifying, one of the reasons why people I think maybe have a bit of a different perspective in America is just because of the fact that there's like 13 cars from the top teams because you're allowed to have obviously more than two cars. So like to qualify seventh, you've beaten like five cars there from from the top teams. And obviously that's a big achievement in IndyCar when you've seen how how close there's like a thousandth of a tenth or, or whatever between, um, you know, graduating from one session to the next. It's obviously very, very tight. And to be able to get up there and, and be seventh was definitely impressive. I, I guess what, what have been some of your biggest challenges in terms of just adapting to the car and, and kind of learning a little bit about how the car drives and stuff? I know the, I guess the style, the the oversteer and stuff won't be a problem for you and you're quite an aggressive driver anyway, but what have been some of the challenges for you to, to kind of adapt? Um, yeah, as you said, like the driving styles, it's very different to Formula 2 and that kind of like, mm. you know, I, I've tested the car before and that's what I really liked about it as well. But, you know, it's it's a lot more difficult to drive um, than anything you do with anything involving Pirelli tyres, basically, because you, you just have to be really smooth, you know, in whatever Formula 3, Formula 2, Formula 1, um, mm. you can't hustle the car around um, and you can hear, which I really enjoy. But then again, these, I'm racing guys that are just, so unbelievably good at it like everyone who's at the front end of the indycar uh indycar grid they just what really caught me out was they are just 110 percent committed every lap whether it's an out lap warm-up lap <laughs> any any lap they are just 100 percent committed and um that also helps because the way actually the fire stones you get them to work the best is is to just push massively and have these big snaps on the outlaps and um it, it it gets the peak of the tire nicer. So um that that's still something that I was missing a little bit, I think, in the end. But you know, um that's probably the thing that caught me out the most. But it, it's so cool that you can do that because, you know, it, it's just the complete other end of the spectrum when you come from Europe. You know, you have to really, really take care of the Pirellis. Mm. Even on a qualifying, you know, out warm up lap and then on the cool down lap between the two push laps and so on. But here it's just you go out of the pits and it's just push, push, push. Yeah. That's awesome. I guess the the style the style with uh with F two, uh either either because of the Pirellis or just because of how the teams are kind of set up, you you kind of come in and you're asked to drive a certain way or or each team has a certain kind of driving style that they want from their driver or, or that they expect. Whereas, I guess, did you feel like when you came in to, to Ray Hall, you were quite surprised by kind of how much input you had and how much kind of flexibility there is to kind of, you know, move the car around you a little bit more to, to suit your style as opposed to just, you know, having to come in and just drive it the way you're told and, and not be able to make any kind of big changes to it? Yes, but I think it's not really because of the teams more. I think it's more because of the tires allow it to. Hmm. So you can have like a bigger window on your setup, you know. Um, you can you can set up the car much more to your preference here, I feel. Is because whether in Europe, you just need a nice balance. Otherwise, you just, you know, the, the, the temperature window is so small in the Pirellis that, you know, if you overheat the front or the rear axle, it's uh, it's not going to be good, you know. So whether even in qualifying, you know, you need to have it very nicely balanced. So also you can't play around with the setup too much um, mm. in those championships. So um, I think that's more just coming from the tire being much more forgiving here. Yeah. yeah, You can set up the car differently. Yeah. 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 For sure. And uh, I guess you need that. You need the tire to be able to to give you that flexibility, right? You can't just uh, like you yeah. couldn't do you couldn't do that with a Pirelli. It would be impossible, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's not you know it is coming from the teams, but there's a reason for it because it's just um, the wind operating window is much much bigger on the on the fires and tires, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
talk to us a little bit about how you're feeling about about next year. I know you can't say too much at this stage and things are a bit complicated. As everybody knows with the IndyCar silly season, things can change very, very quickly depending on uh, who you're talking about at any one time. But uh, I guess with you, how, how are you kind of feeling about your your chances? And maybe if you can tell the listeners kind of where you're at, what your status is at the moment and kind of what you're expecting for next year at the moment. Um, yeah, obviously can't say too much, but what I can say, I was really happy to be here. Um, I was very happy to be given the chance by Rejo as well, and they were really happy with me as well. So we're just trying to work out um, work out something for next year. But in, if if it will happen, and depends, you know, it's still not sure if it's going to be full time or, or part time. We'll see. Time will tell, you know. But uh, I'm really, really trying to get on this grid. Um, that's all I can say. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. You must have, um, I guess you must be grateful to, to Ray Hall after, you know, everything that's happened to you in, in the past couple of years. You've talked a lot about being able to have that second chance and and someone, you know, giving you that opportunity to to even just race again, because obviously you're out of a seat in terms of just racing for, for so long. I guess you must feel a, a certain level of, um, you know, gratitude to them for, for just being able to get the chance, even if it even if it ends up only being the, these two races that you've done. I, I guess it's still, you know, you've achieved a lot in that sense in, in those two races. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent right. I'm I'm super super grateful for that, for that opportunity they gave me, and uh, and uh, yeah, they gave me an awesome car as well on top of it. So <laughs> just uh, uh, yeah, extra um, extra extra thankful for them uh, for that, and um, yeah, really really happy. Uh, mm-hmm. It was sad that I couldn't repay them, you know, um, with a good result, but at least we got the money for the leader circle. So in some way, you know. Um, I give back a little bit, but so um, they were the ones that gave me the opportunity. So I'm very happy with that. As as you've raised it, I was going to ask you about the the whole leader circle thing because, mm-hmm. like, like I said earlier on, it was kind of unusual that you kind of in most series you don't get dropped into to a championship in the last two races, but especially you don't get dropped into the last two races with like so much riding on finishing like eighteenth or nineteenth or twentieth or twenty first. You know, it's that's such yeah. a unusual thing for a for a driver to be in that position in a in a championship especially mm-hmm. if you've not raced in indycar before or or you haven't you know you you yeah you've not been a a part of the the championship for a long time so was that kind of did you feel any extra pressure because of all of that whole kind of situation or did, were you kind of just at a point where you just you just knew you just needed to get in the car and just do your best and there was there was nothing really else you could do about it at that point i mean i never thought about the leader circle until um until after lap one in laguna so and i was <laughs> yeah. like oh yeah we're in trouble you know yeah. um so yeah i i didn't think about it otherwise i knew there was a lot riding on it but i was like you know qualified seventh and probably quicker than these guys you know it, it shouldn't really be an issue um because portland we anyway like extended a gap to the others you know so we were actually in by by a couple good couple points so hmm. we were pretty safe but then we crashed and i was like oh no might be might be an issue um <laughs> yeah but in the end in a pretty crazy manner we got it you know it was it was the last lap um i think that new garden i think overtook dev or something like this and yeah, yeah basically that's how that's how we got it in the end by a point so <laughs> yeah it's crazy, it crazy yeah dev was dev was in the pits and joseph was on the track so he was kind of given the the, yeah. the lead there so that was yeah crazy way for for everything to work out i guess finally i just wanted to ask you obviously it was a it was a massive news story when you got the the drive with with ray hall um and and you were able to come over to indycar what what did you feel about how what was the kind of reaction to it and how you felt um you know the the fans and everybody in the paddock kind was it was it welcoming for you and did you feel like you know we talked earlier about that kind of second chance um element mm-hmm. of it did you feel like you were you know, you were treated well when you came into the paddock and that, you know, people were genuinely, you know, interested to see what you could do. And, and maybe even, I know you spoke a little bit about, you know, wanting to be a, a role model for, for education and stuff like that in, in the future. So how was that kind of whole thing coming into the paddock? Now you've done two races and you've actually been in, in the in the paddock and in the series. How, how was that whole thing? Yeah, it was honestly amazing, the reception I got. I was really surprised. Um, yeah, mm. the fans were all very nice to me. Um, didn't have one bad experience and... Uh, also, the more experienced drivers, they welcomed me really well, you know. So, hmm. um, yeah, I was very, very positively surprised uh, by by everything, you know. Um, and, yeah, I, I really, it's kind of like the perfect series for me. I really have nothing bad to say about it. I really enjoyed it, um, every aspect of it. And that's why I'm pushing really hard to, to try and get something here full time. So, um, hmm. 
yeah, the reception was amazing from from everyone really, from the organizers to the fans to other drivers. It was it was really nice. Yeah, and even I guess um, I know uh, Bo- uh, Bobby and uh, Graham have both talked about um, you know getting emails from from Adrian Newey and stuff like that. You know that to someone like you that must mean a lot to to have somebody like of that stature. And uh, I'm sure there's been other people uh, aside from Adrian Newey. He's just one that I know people have talked about and it's been mentioned in the in the media and stuff. But he's um, you know for him to be emailing Bobby to to kind of give you a reference and say how good you were. You know to to have these kind of these people around you must have must have helped in that time as well. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. I knew there was a couple of references to Bobby uh, from from some people from Red Bull, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was honestly really surprised and grateful for that as well. Um, but mm-hmm. it definitely, yeah. Once I learned about it, I it definitely caught me up a little bit. But it was um, it was awesome to see. It was yeah. awesome to see. And you moved to uh, India earlier in the year, um, even before you kind of got the the Ray Hall drive, like kind of for the last two races. So how have you found that? It's obviously a big thing to, I know you guys are always traveling and you're used to being all around the world anyway, but how has kind of settling into to Indy been? And have you enjoyed the experience just generally in, in America so far? Yeah, yeah, actually a lot. Um, it's definitely a very different scene uh, from Europe, but um, no offense to you, Jack, but I enjoyed actually quite a lot more than England. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, i really like london but uh uh yeah i mean i i really like the area here as well you know it's just it's nice and quiet it's clean there's a lot to do and yeah there's a lot of like drivers around as well so you got like a bit of a community and yeah it's 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 a good area and um of indie where where i am and, and i enjoy it whenever you're having you back on the pod again after you've criticized england that's 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 the uh, yeah. that's the big podcast. I, I, no, no, no. I'm not okay. Okay, okay. okay. Let me clarify. I'm not criticizing. I'm just I like it more here. <laughs> but England was nice. England was nice. But yeah, London, I really, really enjoy. But I've got nothing bad to say about England. England necessarily. It's all right. It's just a little bit nicer. Yeah, Indy's yeah. Indy's very nice too. We can we can talk about Indy all day. That's a, a very cool place. Yeah, yeah. Yuri, thanks so much for coming yeah. on the pod. We really appreciate it. We wish you the best of luck with finding yeah. your seat for next season. And uh, hopefully, we'll have you yeah. back on when when you do have uh, a full time ride in, in IndyCar next year with a bit of luck. Uh, hope so, hope so. But uh, thank you so much for having me on, yeah, Jack. And uh, yeah, hope to see you soon. All right, that was Yuri. Very very interesting driver. It was. Fantastic to have him over in IndyCar for the last two races of the season. Obviously, someone who has caused controversy in his past has tried to to right those wrongs. And as we talked a little about about with him there, um, you know, it was always going to be an interesting kind of situation where he arrived in America to see how he was how he was met, what kind of um, what what the feeling was towards him coming over and, and doing IndyCar, and it definitely felt like people have been willing to give him a second chance after the the, the learning that he's done. So uh, an interesting story, uh, Yuri, great to talk to him. And we just want to round up a little bit of news before we finish off the pod. One thing that's happened, a very big piece of news has happened since we last recorded a pod was Roman Grosjean confirming that he's uh, basically in arbitration proceedings with Andretti over his future. So uh, not happy with how... His Andretti um, tenure came to an end this season. Um, his statement confirming the arbitration, basically um, confirming also that he is not going to drive for Andretti again. So uh, a bit of confirmation of something that we already knew had happened. But, you know, getting it from the horse's mouth is is always good. Uh, next steps, uh, Roman, uh, his lawyers and, and Andretti will be trying to hash out how this situation moves forward. Arbitration is a process of... Uh, trying not to go to court basically so doing everything you can to avoid um, you know bringing about a legal case so they'll be working hard in the background now I'm sure Roman's off uh, testing the Lamborghini hypercar and trying to get that ready for IMSA homologation so he's very busy in terms of uh, driving and I'm sure everyone will be keeping a close eye on his future which is uncertain at the moment um, a lot of people think Dale Coyne was his um, you know most likely destination after his IndyCar debut there in 2021. There's been some other stories since. Um, Ed Carpenter was another one that felt like a definitely an outsider 
uh, option for Roman. I don't think that one's necessarily going to happen. Um, but our friend Marshall Pruitt from Racer Mag has reported that Hunkos Hollinger could be on the table for Roman Grosjean. So we'll keep a close eye on that because we've previously expected Callum Eilat and Augustin Canapino to come back at Hunkos and we're not expecting them to expand in terms of numbers of entry at the moment so fitting in Roman would be a very big story because it means likely one of those two drivers would not be there next season so we'll keep an eye on that um, obviously driving sports cars uh, full-time or, or uh, more so than he's doing now already could be an option for Roman as well but uh, I think a lot of people don't want to see his uh, top level kind of single-seater career come to an end just yet I think people there's there's quite a few fans out there who still want to see and believe that he can do uh, a good job uh, given the opportunity so we'll keep a close eye on that that being the biggest kind of news story uh, in the gap I think Kyle Kirkwood's uh, contract extension was also confirmed between the last two episodes so we should mention that one as well Kyle obviously winning two races last year and will be alongside Marcus Ericsson who we spoke to earlier in the season next year so uh, an interesting driver move there and uh, I think a very obvious one that people expected that Andretti would move to try and tie down Kyle um He'll be out of con- he would have been out of contract at the end of next season, I think. So um, getting his contract extended was a, a great move in terms of just taking him off the silly season and keeping him uh, in the Andretti in, in the Andretti camp. Um, Andretti also um, getting the FIA approval to enter Formula One in the gap um, since our last episode as well. So uh, now they're waiting for for the Formula One teams, I guess, and Formula One itself to, to approve them. Whether that's going to happen or not, we'll have to wait and see. But you can head over to the-race.com for a lot more on that. You can also head to our YouTube channel, uh, The Race. If you search that, you will find it on YouTube where we've done a video on Roman Grosjean's arbitration proceedings and where his big move to Andretti went so wrong. And yeah, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. More interviews. I'm sure there'll be some more news before the end of the year that we'll come back for. And we've obviously got the hybrid testing, which is going to play a big part in the kind of news cycle. As uh, JR and I discussed, it's going to be a very tight um, run to the finish line with that, getting it implemented for, for next season. They're obviously testing a lot, so um, they'll be very hopeful that they can get any issues ironed out and that they can get all of the production done and that they can work out how they're going to use the system properly and get all of that decided before St. Pete next year, which is, uh, yeah, it's going to come up quickly. So we'll be back next time with the Race IndyCar podcast. The Athletic.